Let us pray. The eyes of all wait upon you, O Lord, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Gospel appointed for the second Sunday in Lent from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. Please rise in Jesus' name. Jesus left that place and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. There a Canaanite woman from that territory came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. A demon is severely tormenting my daughter. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and pleaded, Send her away because she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt in front of him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered her, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. It will be done for you, just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. The Messiah was promised to Israel. I don't know your heritage, but I can't trace my lineage to any of the 12 tribes of Israel. So where does that leave me? Am I out of luck? Is there no Messiah for me? Where can I get salvation? But you and I can take comfort from what we learn here with this Canaanite woman that yes, the promise is even for you. It comes to you through faith in Jesus and faith in the promise. Matthew uses a little Greek word, edu, here. Edu, it means behold or look. And it's not translated in our version, but it's a word that's used to call the reader's attention to what immediately comes afterward. Something really important, something that you should pay close attention to. And it's here in verse 22. Edu, behold, look! A Canaanite woman. A woman and a Canaanite. Statistically, the least likely person to get help from a Jewish teacher and really the least likely person to confess the true identity of the Messiah. Matthew calls close attention to this human being who really ought to be cast as an antagonist. God had commanded Israel when they came to the promised land regarding the Canaanites and the other settlers in that land, you are to, to devote them to destruction. Do not make a treaty with them, and do not show mercy to them. We can talk about God's reasons for that another time, but right now, just understand that the Canaanites were the antithesis of God's covenant. The enmity of Israelites and Canaanites was absolute. But here is a Canaanite woman, descended from those people that Israel was supposed to turn away, to cast out and destroy, and those people who had caused Israel to turn away from God in so many ways, this Canaanite woman cries out to Jesus, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Lord, she calls him, and son of David, too. 
In fact, she calls Jesus Lord three times in these eight verses. That's a confession of her faith. St. Paul would write later, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. By calling him the son of David, she was also confessing that he was the promised Messiah, the one who would be born of David's line. Son of David was not a common epithet, but it would have implied, first of all, the line of the kingship, and second of all, the Messiah, the Savior himself, because God had promised that one to come through David's line. And here was a Canaanite woman, confessing faith in that person and praying to him, asking him for mercy. We repeat her prayer often in our divine services. Eleison me, Kyrie, she says in Greek. We reorder those words just a little bit when we say it, but we say the same thing. Kyrie, eleison, Lord, have mercy. But when we pray that, how horrified wouldn't we be if we got the response that this woman did? Perhaps you recognize it in this text, the disparity with how we usually like to think of Jesus, so selfless, so eager to help, but when this desperate woman comes pleading before him on her knees about her demon-possessed daughter, she gets the cold shoulder. Jesus' face is set. He did not answer her a word. My dad always taught me that God can answer prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, and wait. It's hard enough for us to accept sometimes when the answer is no or wait. But what about this stone-faced ignorance of us? When Israel was in Egypt crying out to God, we read that God heard their groaning. God saw the people of Israel and God watched over them. When God instead turns his face away, what does that mean? We know, for instance, that while God always answers the prayers of believers in that one of three ways, yes, no, or wait, he does not hear the prayers of unbelievers. The Lord is far away from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So was this a sign from Jesus that the woman didn't have saving faith? But we've already said that she confessed the truth about him and she proved it, that she had the Holy Spirit. When this text begins, Jesus had just left a serious debate with various members of the Jewish opposition. And he traveled all the way out to this border in order to avoid that opposition for the time being. And often Jesus would do this. He would step away in order to rest and pray, but needy people always found him. Once, it was a hungry multitude that he fed with some loaves of bread and fish. And he fed them so abundantly that what was left over was even more than what began. And so this woman, this persistent, humble woman, does receive the help that she seeks from Jesus. When the hour of her utmost need, this great need of rescue from the demon possessing her daughter, she turns to aid from her Savior, her Savior. And Jesus did say of her, Woman, your faith is great. Great is the word that receives emphasis in this text. In the Greek, it's placed first in that sentence. Great is your faith. It's faith that's surprising in its magnitude and force, causing Jesus to marvel at it. And it is great because it believes and confesses who Jesus is, Lord and Messiah. But what's more, Faith in the promise receives that promise. 
When this stern-faced Jesus was finally moved to respond, it was not to the woman, but to his disciples. They were annoyed by her presence and thought, if Jesus can just do what she wants, she'll go away, send her away, because she keeps crying out after us, they said. And they meant just give her this small miracle and she'll leave us alone. And Jesus responds with words that are harsh, hard, and difficult to hear. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the way the grammar works, this means I was sent only to the lost sheep, which are the house of Israel. Israel had fallen from the true promise, as they so often did. They got distracted and went away after other things. Jesus was sent as their redeemer, their judge, the one who would rescue them from captivity to sin and unbelief and bring them true eternal life. And we must acknowledge first that in a very important sense, Jesus has been sent only as Israel's Messiah. The promise was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that the Messiah would come from them. St. Paul wrote of the Israelites, Theirs are the adoption as sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, came the Christ, who is God over all, eternally blessed. Amen. It's true that the first gospel was given to all people, that a descendant of Eve would crush the head of the serpent who enslaved all mankind, but all mankind fled from God in the centuries before the flood, and then at the Tower of Babel not long after the flood. And those scattered civilizations all started worshipping their own invented gods. Examining those religions, we can see a progress from something that sounds like the truth, but corrupted by human ideas and imagination. In fact, by the time Abraham was born, everyone worshipped idols. Abraham was specifically selected out of all the multitudes of the unfaithful by God's grace. And through his line, the promise was preserved. But we've said this before, too, that Israel wasn't immune to idolatry. Their history is rife with it. From the very first weeks after leaving Egypt, when they built that golden calf, to the time of the judges, to the period of the divided kingdom, even up to this very time when Jesus said of those lost sheep, hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching human rules as if they are doctrines. But nevertheless, God pursued his people relentlessly. And we can say he still loves that people, even though they currently, as a nation, reject him. They were specifically selected. But now it comes through promise again. And Israel is called a child of God, and when that woman utters that more pitiful and desperate, Lord, help me, Jesus' words become the most biting they've been so far. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. You might have heard the term little dogs here used as a kind term, as though he's calling this woman a sweet little puppy. But no, he was calling her a dog. This was an insult. The book of Revelation describes those excluded from the city of salvation as the dogs. That is, the sorcerers, the adulterers, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. 
This is what dog means, someone who is not part of that household of faith. And the woman might have wilted at that moment. She'd been beaten and broken by her Lord. He had turned away from her and then turned towards her his harsh and angry countenance. She might have given up and left, accepting her faith as one not saved by this Lord, this son of David. But instead, she continues in the spirit of the psalmist, let the bones you have crushed celebrate. And hear her sentence, which is a confession of faith. Yes, Lord, yet their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I want to just make the briefest explanation here, because every translation you encounter puts it this way. But in fact, the Greek says something just ever so slightly different. The woman does not say yet, but and. What she says is, yes, Lord, and their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. It's a small difference, but I think it's important because this Canaanite woman is acknowledging the fact that the promise is for Israel. She doesn't dispute the words of, of Jesus. The bread is given to Israel, not to the Gentiles, and certainly not to the Canaanites. She won't claim what has been designated by God for his people. In Jesus, Israel's God was feeding his ungrateful, uncomprehending people once again, as he had done during their 40 years after the exodus in Egypt. This woman descended from Israel's historic enemy doesn't presume to take what was given to them. But instead, her response of faith is as though she said, yes, Lord, you're absolutely right. It would be very bad indeed to try to deny or to contradict God's plan to save his ancient people, Israel. You're Israel's Messiah. The bread you give belongs to the children, Israel. I agree. And I believe, and I don't want the children's bread, because when the children eat, the dogs also get to eat, don't they? The bread of the Messiah is so abundant and so overflowing that parts fall from the table onto the floor. Everyone should know that. I know that. The bread belongs to the children, and when the children eat, the crumbs fall on the floor and belong to the dogs. And the crumbs are enough for me and my daughter. We need nothing more than the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I think of my own dog, who has gained a little weight since we got kids. And I think of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, by which Jesus provided more leftovers than had been provided in the first place. And therefore, St. Paul wrote, This is also what God says in Hosea, Those who were not my people, I will call my people. And she who was not loved, I will call my loved one. Did this Canaanite woman know this verse from Hosea or several other Old Testament passages that showed that salvation would be for all people? That's unknown and we could speculate all day long about that, but what we do know is that she had faith. Her faith was in Jesus and her faith was in the promise. She knew that the promise was so abundantly given by God that what was given to his people overflowed onto the floor. Undoubtedly, she knew some of the word because she uses names for Jesus that you would find only in the Old Testament. And that word was enough for her to have faith that she could lay claim to those crumbs that fell from the table, those crumbs that would be enough to save her. 
you and I might ask why we get what was promised to Israel. And the New Testament relates that Israel rejected the message, and so it was shared with Gentiles. But it's also not as though there's not enough salvation left over for Israel. Jesus paid for the sins of all mankind in his death and resurrection. The arms of his cross are the wings spread over all people, and it's offered to all through his word and sacraments. But we don't lay claim to it arrogantly. If we consider our situation honestly, we are required to act as this Canaanite woman did, in humility. Yes, Lord, I am a dog. We are by nature enemies of God and deserving of His wrath. But what gives us the right to act even a little bit impetuously is the promise. Jesus cannot escape us if we grasp hold of Him by the promise. Like Jacob, we can say to God, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You and I have these promises of God. In his word, he explicitly says that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. We also know that God's power and that his blood can cover every single sin. This woman's confession demonstrated just such faith. And therefore, Jesus said, woman, your faith is great. Her request was granted. Jesus said, It will be done for you just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. And you and I can be just as certain that our requests are granted by God. Amen, I tell you, Jesus said, if two or three of you on earth agree to ask for anything, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Relying on the overflowing grace of Jesus, we have his assurances of whatever we need. The prayers of the Christians in this country are all that keep it afloat. The prayers of the family are all that keep a person's health and well-being. Our gracious and loving Savior hears all your pleas. And he answers you because, yes, the promise is even for you. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.